turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. This just says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Amen. The Lord knows how to take care of those who don't like you, who hate you. You don't have to pray against physical beings for them to be killed, for them to die. God knows how to take care of them. In fact, God says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you, would curse you. Amen. So you don't have to curse them. Let blessing come from your mouth. The fruit of your lips be praises. The fruit of your lips be thanksgiving. The fruit of your lips be blessings. The fruit of your lips be prayers. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the scripture says, we have an altar. Let me say first, this instruction or suggestion doesn't mean that you go into your house and set up a place in the corner of your house and set up a table or a pillar like you see in some or most Chinese restaurants and some other restaurants wherein they put some thing on the ground and they put money on it, they put some things, some food on it. It's an altar that is set up. And that's what they worship. That's where they worship. That's their focus. That's what they claim blesses them. This scripture that says we have an altar is not asking you to set up you know, a place in the corner of your house wherein you burn incense. You know, you burn candles for prayer. No, 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 no. As Christians, we don't burn incense or candles for prayers. Yes, you can have a special place in your house where you, where you pray. You know, you dedicate that place as a special place where you pray. It's wonderful. It's great. You set that apart for the Lord. You don't do any other thing there other than to pray and seek the face of God and read the Bible. That's good. That place actually becomes a special place, a special house of God, an altar. But don't burn incense there. Amen. We have an altar, the scripture says. An altar calls for sacrifice. An altar without a sacrifice is an anomaly or abnormality. It's an aberration. It's inconsistent. An altar without a sacrifice is an anomaly. So a church, which is an altar, Without a sacrifice of prayer, praise, and thanksgiving is an anomaly. In fact, the altar is the central point, the center place of the temple. Without the altar, the temple is nothing, really. We also understood recently from our study on the mechanism of church building that when the Jews got back to Jerusalem, before they built the house of God, what did they do? They raised up an altar. That was the first thing they did. They raised up an altar. And they started to worship because an altar was set up. Because without the altar, forget about the temple. Amen. 
So the altar is the central place in the temple. Do you have an altar in your life? You are a temple of God. Are you an altar also? Do you have altar in that temple? Because without the altar of prayer, praise and thanksgiving, there is no life in that temple. So we have an altar. We should also have a sacrifice to offer on the altar. If you have an altar, you have a sacrifice. You need to have a sacrifice to place on the altar. We have an altar to eat from, like the scripture says in that Hebrews 10. We have an altar to eat from, to receive from. We have an altar to eat from, to receive from. What do we receive? What do we eat? Hebrews 13, the scripture says there that it is good that the heart be established with what? Grace. It is good that the heart be established. It is good that the heart be fed with grace and not with things, not with physicalities. It is good your heart is established, is strengthened with grace. And we know what the scripture says in Psalm 84 that talks about the house of God. Psalm 84 verse 11. It says that the, the Lord God is a son and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. The Lord God is a son and a shield. The Lord God will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from, from those that walk uprightly. It means that the Lord God will give grace and glory. No good thing. No good thing will he withhold. Meaning everything that the Lord gives is wrapped up in what? Grace and glory. Everything that he gives is summarized as grace and glory. If he gives you grace and glory, everything is in there. So he says, the Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing. No good thing. No other thing to give you other than grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold. If he gives you grace and glory, that's all good things that he gives. Everything is wrapped up in grace and glory. So you give him praises. You give him prayer. Because we also know that prayer is not just to receive. It's also to invest in the business of God. Amen. So you give him praises. You give him thanksgiving. You give him prayer. He gives you grace and glory. As you come unto the throne of grace, you receive grace and mercy. Amen. So, we have an altar to eat from this. We have, a, we have an altar to receive from. But we also have an altar to offer on. We have an altar to offer on. In the place where we receive is also the place where we give. We have an altar to offer on. So he says, through him, we continually offer the sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving. Through him, we offer, we give. Meaning through this altar, because Jesus is that altar. Amen. We give, we receive. Of course, giving comes before receiving. You need to get that clear. You need to understand that. That's the principle. That's the order. You give, then you receive. Giving comes before receiving, just like planting comes before harvesting. Sowing comes before reaping. Amen. Sacrifice comes before success. Amen. Our altar, the altar that we have, is a spiritual one. And the sacrifices we offer are spiritual. Our altar is a spiritual one and the sacrifices we offer are spiritual. Though our sacrifices and altar are spiritual, 
Wherever an altar is set up, wherever an altar is set up, quote unquote, that place becomes a place where God manifests himself. In that same place, God manifests himself because it has been reserved, set apart, consecrated for him. Amen. The Lord is speaking to us on the altar and the sacrifice of prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. Simply the altar of prayer. Again, when you have an altar, you should have a sacrifice. So they go together. They go hand in hand. In Genesis 28, in Genesis 28, we have a striking story. The background to this story where Jacob was not traveling from Beersheba to Haran is this, that his brother Esau threatened to kill him because Jacob stole his birthright and stole his blessing twice. He slapped him on the face, so to say. So he was very, very angry, very, very mad and, and said, he said it out loud, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. And their mother heard about it and devised a strategy wherein Isaac, without even knowing what he was doing, sent Jacob back to her house, back to no, her birthplace, to her brother. I've said this many times. Women have a lot of wisdom, a lot of wisdom, whether the wisdom of this world or the wisdom of God. It starts with the wisdom of this world or the wisdom of life, dealing with life, dealing with things in life. So in that story, you can see how Rebecca did everything and Isaac was oblivious to most of those things. Oblivious, oblivious. Mm. If you as a young man as an old man, an older man, don't pay attention. Don't have the fear of God to, for your eyes to be opened. And you get, you know, you get in relationship with a wrong woman. You are in trouble. So pray that the Lord will lead you to the right person. Amen. Because women indeed have a lot of power and they can do a whole lot of things. They do a whole lot of good. But if you get into the wrong hand, it doesn't go well. Amen. Yes, what Rebecca did was not bad. That is not what I'm saying. But Isaac did not even understand what was going on. Amen. Did not understand what was going on. But he was doing it as if he was the one doing it. But it was the, the, the mastermind behind it was Rebecca. Amen. Okay. A word is enough for the wise. I hope you got that. That's not what I prepared to say, but I just felt like saying that quickly. So we see Jacob running away from home. He didn't even know that he was running away. Of course, he knew about his brother, not happy about him. And now he was sent away by his father, by his parents, you can say. And he was going to a place he did not know. He knew where he was going, but he didn't know how to get there because he had never been there before. He had never met those people. They were his family. So looking at 1617, as he traveled you know, on this way, he came to a particular place on his journey that he had to rest. And he lay down. He was sleeping. And he had an experience. He had a dream. And the summary of the dream is in 
verses 16 and 17, Jacob exclaimed, he woke up from the sleep. He said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is not other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. This was a physical location that the Lord sovereignly brought Jacob into. 